call Logan Cyrus? Calling Logan Cyrus. Mobile. Hello? Hello, Logan Cyrus. Hey. What are you doing right now? <laughs> I am standing in front of my laptop computer. Oh, that's right. You have a little standing desk in your office at the house. Yeah. Right. Well, I can sit too if I wanted to. Let's talk about that for like probably 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the chair that's in here. Um, Jamie really loves the chair. I don't. It's uncomfortable. Uh, it's hard to roll. But uh, so that's what keeps me standing is that I just, out of spite, I choose to stand than sit in the chair. <laughs> did she? Uh, did she buy it because it was aesthetically nice? Being mm -hmm. that she's a graphic or not a graphic designer, but a interior designer, or was? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it, it does look nice, but. Do you ever do you ever go back home uh and like sit in a lazy boy and just think I don't care that this looks dumb. I'm gonna do this. Um I don't think either I don't think either of I don't think Jamie's mom has a lazy boy and I don't I don't think my mom does now either. Yeah. Uh, they have like um I was going to say old people furniture, but that's not the right, that's not the right term. Cause I think a lazy boy would be old people furniture. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, uh, but I, I remember sitting in lazy boy chairs. Uh, it is weird. I've never thought about that. I guess they don't really exist anymore. I haven't seen one in a while. Yeah. I mean, they look like, you know, like if a PT cruiser was wearing a pair of sketchers, like they look dumb, but yeah, they're not, they're not great. But then you sit in it and you're like, I get it. I absolutely yeah. get it. Um, They're hard to get out of. <laughs> I really do want to talk about this a lot longer. Um, <laughs> we should. Were you, uh, did you shoot anything today? Mm -mm. No, today, um, mostly answering emails and uh, scheduling some stuff for the, for tomorrow and Friday. Yeah. Did you, uh, but you shot yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, took some pictures yesterday. That's right. So tell, I mean, a lot of folks will know because this will go out on Neighborhoods Podcast. But for folks that don't know, um, would you do you do you describe your title as photojournalist? Is that or do you describe yourself as a photographer? Um, I don't know. I like the specificity um, of it. Um, but yeah, photographer is fine. Cause that's generally what it is. But I don't, I feel like if you're like a wedding photographer, you say I'm a wedding photographer Yeah. Uh, or, you know, <clears throat> but I don't know. It's a strange, I put it on my like business card cause I would rather people know that I'm not a wedding photographer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not that it's a bad thing. I just, I always, the more, you, less you have to explain to people, I feel like the better. Cause I, I get weird about explaining myself. Um, so the less I have to do, the better, I guess. So I, I don't know this, actually. Um, but one of the things that I notice about your work and with uh, a lot of the people that you've put me on to that, that do, you know, that are in your lane of photojournalism, I think one of the things that sticks out maybe the most is that 
uh, well, among the the point that they're trying to make, the perspective they're trying to force or whatever, is how unaffected, um, like, just how real the photographs are. So they're not filtered, which is a strange... I mean, they certainly are edited. I'm not saying they're not edited, but they they are not what the rest of the pictures on the internet are. Um, is is that a part, like, is that something that you're thinking about when you're taking images of something that's a new news story or some politician or something to try to give the, the realest version of the image you can? Um, maybe, maybe like when I was first starting out, um, trying to, you know, use the word effect, you know, the word to try to make it, seem like something because you're just trying to find a you know i guess people are always trying to find like a style um but like af after a while i think that uh it just for me i mean not necessarily for other people some people really like to stylize their photos uh i'm sure i have a style but i think right now it's just mostly um i don't know muscle memory of putting the camera up to my head and then whatever my brain does uh with what i'm seeing kind of like happens automatically now uh-huh so i think uh i'm more concerned i guess when i'm with my camera it's i'm more concerned about what i'm doing with it rather than kind of what i'm seeing so like am i being honest as a per as a photojournalist as a person with what i'm photographing and uh, and then in like, in the context of whatever story I'm working on is what I'm photographing appropriate uh, to the larger kind of themes. So I also, you know, I don't want to, I, I guess that the, uh, when they just, you know, the, the city or the county, you know, told everybody at the homeless camp uh, over. Um, on north side of town? On the, North side of town, you know, you know, doing that story, I guess that's the most recent um, example. It's, you know, how am I, how am I interacting in this space? How am I impacting people being here with the camera? Uh, what's necessary for me to be showing and what's unnecessary? Because, um, you know, I felt like I had to get, um, certain type of picture and then as i was there kind of realizing like i don't really need that uh, i don't want to bother people uh, i also don't want to exploit people so you have to really so i think in, in photojournalism that should be the thing you're thinking about most aside from like and then however your images look after that is is kind of how it's going to be uh, i don't like people photojournalists that like will show up somewhere and say, I'm here to document and I don't care about people's feelings because the journalism is more important. I, uh, that's not how I feel like I operate as long as well as like a ton of other photojournalists that um, they're working right now. Um, I'll kind of see it that way where you don't have to be uh, a butthead. That's, I think it's really interesting because I, you know, you and I talk about, uh, how I have this, uh, just like a million other things. I think that I have a, a future careers of photographer. I want to like <laughs> have some, this little hobby thing. I want to be good enough at it that I can be proud of it. But all of what I'm doing is, uh, is like looking for the gimmicks to like pull off things. So if I'm in a space, I'm thinking about the deliverable at the end of it. Like I'm trying to think about what the final result is. And it, the thing that I hear you saying is, is that you are, 
uh, you're really focused about what, what you mean to the space that you're in as you're documenting it. So you're not editing pictures as you're taking them. You are, you're thinking about what, what space you're actually physically in and being present in it in a way that's healthy or whatever. Um, right. Because I, I think the thing that people wouldn't realize, and I, I don't think that I really realize is that like photography, people think it is just simply capturing an image. It's, it's like, like as if you couldn't, there's no, it, it is objective or something that you're just pushing a button and capturing what's in front of you. So what do you mean? You're not trying to, you know, force a perspective. Uh, but, but what I hear you saying is, is the choices that you're making in what you're photographing, like it, you, I don't know. There, there is a perspective there that, that you have to be sensitive to. And you, you do have to like be aware of what you're doing or trying to say with, the images. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's trust and it's honesty. So, um, unless I'm out like photographing, uh, a sterile scene of like a landscape, uh, even then you're still thinking about like, what are the impacts, uh, who lives around this place? What am I saying about this piece of land that I'm photographing? So like everything has anything that you capture with a camera, you're, you're saying something about it. So like, yeah, you're talking about the, you know, objective journalism uh, of course you there is objective journalism but with uh with photography and there's a famous photographer from back in the day that said this and i totally forget who it was but just talked about like objective ob- objectivity isn't doesn't exist in photojournalism it's it's more about honesty and, and that makes a lot of sense because obviously you can't separate yourself um from who you are but you can also be honest uh and not you know, um, you don't have to interject so much of yourself into it if you're being an honest person about what you're looking at. So, which requires you to be present, requires you to um, have self-control to not put yourself into it as much as you can. And also it's important that you're, the, the people and the spaces you're in, you're gaining trust. And that trust doesn't even have to be in the moment. It could be after the pictures are made and the people that might be in the space or around that space or involved with whatever it is you're photographing can see that there's trust there. And that, and that trust usually involves research, honesty, and, um, you know, a, a whole bunch of other stuff that like when you get into the minutia of being a good journalist, but there's just, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just like getting a good camera and a good lens and going out and like making pictures. So it's, it's yeah, about, that are technically good or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so if going to the back to the homeless camp reference thing, when you went into that space, if it was you and five others or whatever, and maybe you've even seen people that took photographs there, if one person is representing the like, uh, block of love or whatever that organization was, and they're trying to fundraise with some of the images that they take it, or somebody is there from the observer, and then somebody's there from, uh, you know, that neighborhood association that's trying to to prove that they need to be put out or whatever. And then you're there. All of those images that they take are going to be different. Like there, you're going to be able to feel what the perspective of the photographer is in their work. Sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't, I don't think about it like that a ton, but it makes a lot of sense because 
um, I know how thoughtful you are. I know how, um, like how good and true at your core, like you are. And so I think that that comes through in your work because, you know, I tell people all the time when I'm talking about you or whatever, if I, you know, one of my favorite things is to like, before you were off Instagram is to send people your Instagram page and they're like, holy crap, like, how does he do it? And it's, you always get the shot, whatever the shot is, you always get it. And, um, and I guess, you know, five years ago or four years ago, when we were talking about me getting a camera or whatever, I'm like, Hey, what's the gimmick? Like, what are you, you know, what, what kind of gear do you have? What, whatever. And I guess the, the truth of it is, it's like, it, it has to be who you are that is coming out or whatever. It's not just, you know, it's not a, it's not a, an equation. It's not math. It, it has to be something else that's happening. Sure. Yeah. That is all very kind things to say. Thank you. But um, yeah, it's, it's all, um, it's so much about your flesh and blood and your brain and your heart rather than, you know, your, your cameras. And as some people don't see it that way and that's fine. You know, everybody has, like you're saying, everybody's going to have a different way of, um, approaching the situation. Um, if you're causing harm to people because you're being callous or selfish, then that's another issue. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I remember early on, uh, and I, the reason I'm sticking on this gear part is one, because it's something that I've, you know, you and I've talked about. It's, I, I kind of externalize, uh, art in a way of like, how do I, how do I do it? You know? Instead of, instead of this like more existential question of like, how do I, uh, it sounds cheesy or whatever. How do I be what I'm trying to make? Like, how do I embody the, the, be the kind of person that makes that sort of thing? Um, but, uh, and, and I do think it's extremely vital in the world that you're in because you are trying to tell true stories. And I I love that idea of not, there is no such thing as objectivity. I remember like, that realization in college with, uh, with theology, realizing that like I wanted to appeal to objectivity as though it was something that you could do. And, you know, having a professor essentially say it, you're always bringing, you can't read the text as somebody other than who you are. You just can't. And so right. kind of setting that aside and saying objectivity isn't a goal cause it's not attainable honesty is attainable. And I, I think that that's a really important point. Um, and for the yeah. stories that you're doing, it is so vital that somebody is honest behind a camera. Um, so I, I, I just really like that. It's a lot of rambling, but I think that's really cool. So sort of in line with that, you know, the, the two images that you sent me for, you know, we're, we're doing this Lent series. And so Sarah was last week with dance and then, um, and then you sent me two images that we'll share, um, with people to their email and I'll probably even put them online if you're all right with it. Um, yeah. uh, so one strange thing about, so the first, the first image, um, is of like, they're like police barricades, but it looks like, is it a, uh, is it a parade or something? It's a movie premiere. I think for a movie called Black Mass that was uh, with Johnny Depp about a mobster in Boston. Okay. Uh, Whitey Bulger. Yeah. 
So, so it's a movie premieres, a bunch of people there. So the, the image is of like, I don't know, 40 ish people behind a police barricade or just metal barricades in general. And what's interesting about it, well, everybody's holding phones up. They're all taking pictures. They're all smiling. Everybody's excited. I guess somebody's getting out of a car being seen for the first time. Um, so I looked at the image, uh, whenever you sent the email and I looked at it a few times and you know, what's really weird. Number one, I think I've seen this picture before and had forgotten about it, but the number two, and maybe this is the thing that you were trying to do, but the, the point of like the, the thing that is the glaring, uh, thing to notice in this is that there's an elderly woman with her arms crossed on top of the barricade. Everybody's has phones. Everyone is trying to get the shot. People are looking at their phones and this woman is just very, very calm in the moment, smile on her face, like very much there. What's funny is I didn't recognize her because the guy in the blue shirt who's looking at his phone is in the dead center of the frame. Was that a choice that you made to make him the focal point almost as like a way of communicating what you're trying to with the lady there? These are not my pictures. Um, I should have prefaced that in the thing. Uh, No, this was this picture. Both these pictures were two different photographers. The first photographer is John Blanding. He's a photographer with the Boston Globe. And then the second picture is uh, Scott Elmquist, which is in Richmond. Yeah. Okay, that's right. That uh, first one, I think the one I'm just mentioning was like a viral image, right? Yeah. Okay, that, that makes more sense. I knew I'd seen it somewhere. I just thought it was yours. Nope. No. Yeah. I think that is, that is the kind of the most fascinating part is that she's not in the middle of the frame. She is just kind of like, and she's like very short too. Uh-huh. She's like the shortest person. There's like a little kid there next to her and she's still like, but you still catch her right away after the guy with, I, I think he's got a good Charlotte shirt on, which is very funny to me. <laughs> he looks much too old to have like a good a Charlotte 45 shirt 45 year old white dude that's got a good Charlotte shirt on. Yeah. That was that was a really interesting part of it, and uh, she's like, it is such an affecting kind of uh, image. Like it is, it says so much in one thing. Um, yeah. In light of, and and you wrote some stuff that we'll send out in an email. But in light of, sort of, the the theme of Lent or whatever, you talked about her being someone who you could imagine has a ton of self-control, what, what kind of made you bring this image and juxtapose it with the themes of Lent? Um, I guess it kind of starts, you know, obviously Jesus cleansing the temple and kind of what that represents kind of metaphorically to me and the things that you need to do to, to cleanse your temple, you know, uh, either whether it be for Lent or for just any time that you feel like you need to. Um, so I always think about like self-control and just, um, and that's kind of been a, a thing that I've been thinking about a lot um, this year already. Uh, and just looking at her and how like the basis of so many things, especially in Lent kind of come down to self-control, like the basis of Lent is kind of, 
if you don't have any self-control, then you have absolutely no direction of your life. You're just kind of like, you know, pretty much prisoner to your impulses. Of, yeah. Yeah. To each impulse. So like seeing her, you know, she doesn't care really about, um, preserving this moment in her mind or on her inner phone. She wants to just preserve it in her mind. And, you know, if you like look close, you know, she's like color coordinated with her, with her shirt. Yep. So like, she's not just somebody that was randomly there. Like, I think you could tell like there's some, uh, theater marquee on her shirt, whatever. So you could tell like she's into the theater. She's into cinema. And... She's got bright purple glasses on. Yeah. And so she's still, she just wants to kind of be there in the moment. And so like, when I think about that, I think about somebody that can just, you know, even just the peer pressure of everybody around you is doing one thing and you're just choosing to do the other. Um, thinking about that, I think just says so much about probably who she is um, as a person. So like what her self-control might tell you about the rest of her, you know what I mean? That yeah. she's probably healthy and she's probably maybe a kind person i'm putting a lot of stuff <laughs> on her but she like looks like a kind person oh, she, so like you're just yeah. trying to and she's interesting and, and quirky because she has those glasses and she likes the movies and things like that but um you know she wants to be she wants to be present yeah and i think if you're present you're paying attention and she's paying attention and she, yeah, I think I, I don't think that you're I mean, I know you're you're guessing a lot about her, but I, I think all of that stuff is really clear in the picture. I don't think that n nothing like that happens in isolation. Uh, there's a certain kind of person who is can be caught in that moment um, in that way. But I, I, I guess in line with what you're saying, uh, Chelsea and I watched. I think it's on Apple TV. Um, there's like a new Billie Eilish documentary. Do you know this musician, Billie Eilish? Yeah, I, I see previews for that. So so we watched it the other day, and there were a couple of really fascinating parts about it. Um, one was that it's so clear that like society wants to put people in fame. Like that that is like a cycle, a cyclical thing that we pick a new person every 10 years or whatever. Um, and people, obviously there's lots of them at the same time, but that's yeah. a, that's a cycle that's just normal. And so at one point, Billie Eilish meets Katy Perry and I guess she's 18 at the time or whatever. And Katy Perry says that the next 10 years of your life is going to be crazy kid. You know, like I've been there, done that. I've seen what's about to happen to you. And, um, that was strange, but then there were all these scenes, you know, where, for whatever reason, whether people love their, her music or they just love people that are famous, there are people that are yeah. just absolutely beside themselves, manic, wanting to meet her, you know? And so right. like outside of gates, when she's getting out of cars at concerts and um, meet and greets and things like that. But the new modern thing, I guess, oh, I, love <laughs> I, love, I love Ben. Uh, the and if you need to get him at any point, you like take as long as you need to. Well, I'm about to. So we've been watching these space SpaceX launches, the uh -huh. Starship. I don't know if you know anything about it, but yeah, it's about to launch. So I'm trying to get to show him. Come here, bud. You got five minutes, and it's going to launch. Okay, sorry, man. No, you're <laughs> just no, you're just fine. Uh, <laughs> like I guess, 
I guess it used to be that we would run up to famous people with with pieces of paper. So it was still an externalized, strange kind of right. uh, mm-hmm. ca- uh, transaction, like transactional kind of interaction. But now right. there's all there are all these people. She's you know we we get a more intimate look at her life in the documentary, and so here's just this girl who made music in her room with her brother, who's now thrust into international fame, and she is willing to and really likes meeting fans and like you know giving people a good experience with her and like she's hugging people which is also a strange thing to see with covid because it was all pre-covid she's like hugging Mm -hmm. people like up in people's faces she's really being giving of herself um physically and almost all of them are doing are like hugging her or in the moment with her but are holding phones up an inch from their face, trying to capture it. And like the overwhelming feeling in it is like, what do you like? You just ruined it, you know, because they're looking at their phone to make sure that they're in the frame or whatever, because they want to hold on to this thing. But because they're doing that, they're robbing themselves of actually experiencing, you know, this maybe once in a lifetime thing with somebody that's that famous. I just, I guess in that, that comes to mind when you're talking about this, this woman who's just like, just experience it. Just meet, just meet Billie Eilish and have that, have that experience, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that. Um, I waffle back and forth between like, whether those interactions are bad or whether they're good. Uh, I feel like they're bad because I, I feel like people think that uh, this is totally way off topic, but I think people think that that's, how they're going to experience it the best way because that's the only way people know how like young i'm saying younger people but uh if they just maybe had done it without the phone i wonder if people would feel differently about it uh or maybe they would still think that they missed something um i don't know but yeah being present i feel like is is so important and and not like there's so many distractions right now uh and it sounds so cliche to say but it's it is really true um everything that is new right now is to is designed to distract you from something and uh well talk talk about if you're willing to the like you you're off of social media now this is something that you're currently like your this is your work right now in yourself what what has that experience been like and what was the thing that made you do it um, I don't know. It just last year is was a pretty awful year, and what happened? Was there anything that? <laughs> yeah, it was just uh, too much, um, and then having to be a part of it or be a part of parts of it. Um, it just, I still want to be a part of part of these things. I want to, you know, still go out and document things that are happening, but like being a part of it and then having to come home and then also being uh, reliving it over and over again. Um, and there is like, there's such a, a, just like a big basket of really good, great stuff that I get from social media, but like the basket of really terrible things and the way it makes you feel and the way that it, you know, made, made my productivity, just, uh, just being a person, you know, uh, drop that it just became, something that I just wanted to, I didn't want it to be like, you know, I feel like it was like 
people do like, oh, I did 30 days without social media. Like I didn't want to do that. I just want to be kind of done with it. I don't think I have to have it. And I think some people have to have it. I'm in a position where I don't feel like I have to. And so I just did that. And since then, you know, I've realized every little, it's not like a huge thing that like a realization, but it's kind of that self-control thing where you're relearning how to like function without picking up your phone every 20 seconds. And I still pick up my phone a lot to like either look at a text or email, but I'm not, I'm not chained to, cause like sometimes I would pick my phone up and be like, Oh, I'm checking this text message. And I'll, I would like an hour later, I'm like, Oh my God, I just was like scrolling Twitter, uh, reading a bunch of like mostly just comments that made me upset. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so you just like lose an hour of your day um, or like 30 minutes of your day or, or 15 minutes just kind of filling yourself with stuff that's not going to help you. And uh, I don't know. And it's been, it's been good. I've realized that like, I don't have to be upset about something every day and not being upset about something every day is really nice. Like just yeah. consuming news in a way that's like much, much more on my terms of like, I'm still aware of what's happening in the world. I still, have Twitter. I follow 20 people. It's all local news accounts just because for work, um, I have to know what's happening, especially like locally. So I typically will check, uh, Twitter in the morning, uh, afternoon and evening. And then maybe every now and again, if I hear like a police helicopter, I'll like check it to see, you know, um, yeah. So it's just a, it's a matter of like, just trying to, I don't know, distill myself down like figuring out who I am again uh which all sounds very woo-woo but it's true like it's once you once you start like getting away from it you start realizing uh like what do I do (laughs) you know (laughs) what else is there to do um I love I love Ben in the background and we're I'm keeping every time that I hear Ben he's he gets to be in the in the podcast no, everything that you're saying is obviously, you know me well enough to know that is very convicting because there's nobody who wants to be more plugged in than me. You know, I I, uh, I think about like these big events, whatever they are, something politically, something in the world, some event or happening and how many hours I spend trying to be up to the second, you know, mm-hmm. informed on it. And then two weeks later, there's another one. And ultimately everything that was, everything that is going to happen with it is going to come out, you know, like you don't have to be up to the second with every single event that happens. You don't have to be in the know. Um, So I've really been challenged by that personally. And, and I, I don't know that I'm, (laughs) I don't know that I'm going to be offline but I am trying to figure out more healthy ways of not letting it. Cause I mean, all we have is time. And so this is your life. And I guess that's what one of my uh, realizations in my mid thirties has been like, uh, Hey man, this is your life right now. Like this is what your life is. So whatever you're doing right now is what you're doing with your life. And uh, I don't want to look at my screen time reports because uh, I don't want to know how much time my eyeballs are on a tiny LED screen in my hand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, right. Yeah, so I, I guess the picture 
paired with this conversation is really convicting in that way of like at the end of your life, I want to have had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of moments like that lady's having of just, and, and I have it with, you know, with Zeke and Maggie now where I really want to document everything. I really want to take videos of things. I really want to take good pictures of them and be able to remember it. But I also want to have actually lived in those moments and yeah. experienced, you know, Zeke running into the room in the morning and being cute and all that. Like, I just, I don't want to, uh, try so hard to document something that I don't actually get to be a person that's experiencing them. Right. There's a balance. There's definitely a balance to, you know, to all that. So the, the Jesus cleansing the temple text that you mentioned is a, is something that I assigned to you to bring a couple of images that, uh, kind of spoke to that or whatever. Um, and so the first one was what we just talked about. Then the other one is, is it, was that in Richmond? Yeah. So they're in front of, and I'm just stabbing wildly here. It's a, uh, it's yeah. Robert E. Lee, right? Right. Yeah. It's the Lee statue in, in Richmond. It's like right outside the Capitol building. And in Virginia, they've set up a, they've set up a basketball goal and there are two kids, uh, dunking on the goal or whatever. Um, yeah. so, I loved what you said in the email, but I would love for you to kind of recount it here a little bit. What, what about that photo spoke to you? Um, well, I guess, you know, the, the first image kind of like gets you into the, the mindset of like where you would need to be. Mm -hmm. And then I think that photo kind of, uh, represents more of, um, I guess in practice, uh, because we talked about, I'm trying to find my notes just so I can kind of get it. Yeah, take your time. Right on. But um, yeah. So what I was thinking about, and I, I was, I talked about this in, in my email, but, you know, listening to messages growing up about um, Jesus, like, you know, he did a lot of things in the temple, but like one of the things was he flipped over the tables. You know, everybody knows that story of the money changers. And I always heard it from the perspective that Jesus was upset that they were in there, like trying to rob people, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, but later in life, like hearing other people talk about it, other kind of thinkers talk about like, he wasn't upset that they were doing it. He was upset that he was, that they were doing it where they were doing it. So like in the temple court and how, because because they were, you know, bringing in livestock and like changing money and all these things in this area, it was like robbing people of a place to, to worship, mm -hmm. you know, this like sacred space. And they were thought that they were, what they were doing is the fact that they were there doing what they were doing. So, you know, when he, you know, drove them out, like he didn't drive them out of the area. Like he just drove them out to where they should have been. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So, so it's, you think about that it's it's more about like courage so like jesus having the courage to say get out of here because mm -hmm. <laughs> you're i'm going to stand up for the people that have been you know and i was listening to like i was doing like a little bit of research about this and 
just about like the feasts and like Passover and how people would come back and how in the ancient texts it like talked about, you know, if you live within like a certain square mileage of Jerusalem, like you had to come in for the feasts. If you didn't, you know, people still did. So like a lot of times if they lived far away, they would just come once in their life to Jerusalem for the feast. And like, that was the only time they'd ever been there. And like, just thinking about the time that people actually came and there's like millions of people in the city and they get to the temple and they don't have a place to, to pray. They don't have a place to like worship and how just kind of like insane that thought is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like you're going to, you're going to go to one place and it's going to be like the pinnacle of your life and you get there and there's like, like sheep and like goats and people <laughs> like in the space that you're supposed to be and like, and how all that time, like nobody else, like, why was it Jesus that had to do that? Why didn't anybody else do that over time? Like, obviously it wasn't just, it didn't pop up that day. So like having this idea that you have to have courage born from self-control to stand up for things. So, mm-hmm. you know, that image, you know, talking about, everything that happened uh with the protests in the summer you know people had to especially white people had to come to some sort of reckoning with no matter how much i think people wanted to ignore it for years upon years last summer was a really difficult time to ignore it so i think people were coming to a realization that like i have racial biases what are my racial biases and you know here they are yeah, it wasn't how, something you could ignore anymore. Yeah. And how somebody who would lack self-control, a white person, for instance, as an example, lacking self-control, would look at that situation and somebody says, what are your racial biases? And that person would get defensive and say, I don't have racial biases. Like, I'm not racist, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, total lack of self-control. But somebody that has self-control and courage can look inside and say, yes, uh, I want to take time to think about this. And that's, I think, part of cleansing your temple is, you know, cleansing yourself, not of just, you know, one or two things. It's, it's getting to a place where it's, where you have the quiet that you're able to create a space where you can grow um, instead of just continually accepting, (laughs) you know, accepting that there's money changers and sheep and goats in the space that you're supposed to be at. And you're just like, well, I guess I'll just deal with it, which is like a lot of us do in our daily life. Um, last summer was just like a really good example of kind of how self-control to me, like how self-control can really kind of put you on a path to, um, you know, growing, whether it's spiritually or your happiness, health. Yeah. I, I love there's a, there's a lot of things I love about the image. Uh, you know, the, the statue is, has graffiti all over it. It's, uh, you know, it's this kind of oppressive, it's giant, you know, it's looks, looks like it's 50 feet tall or something. Um, and, and yet around it, you know, there are these five, six, seven young people of color that are like the emotion in the photo is joy, you know? There, and 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 the metaphor of just like dunking on someone in general, like it's this like, I don't know if that's what you were thinking with Jesus flipping tables. Is this kind of act of like resistance? This yeah. like a 
the metaphor of, of dunking on someone, if th- these guys are like representative, I think in the image of like fighting against these super oppressive power structures and racist things that have been part of our nation's history, um, you know, right. integral to our nation's history. And yes, there's the fighting against it. Yes. There's the kind of like, I, I I'm struck by, uh, an activist I heard talk recently that was talking about how, uh, white liberals love representation. So we love to like put people in like placeholders and we like to kind of elevate people or vocally praise things or include people in pe- positions of power, but ultimately uh, we, we would prefer representation over liberation, like true liber- like right. liberatory kind of acts, prophetic acts. And so I love the idea, though, that Dr. King always talks about, about like joy being present in it. It's not this joyless kind of soulless thing that's happening. There's also at the heart of it, there's like love is the engine of it. Joy can actually be happening in it. And so yes, knock down statues. Yes. Kind of, uh, fight against the systems that, that perpetuate evil against, uh, marginalized people, but also like set up basketball goals and enjoy life. That kind of image to me, I think it, I think it captures a lot of what we're, what we're talking about. Right. It, it also shows, um, you know, reclaiming a space and, you know, reclaiming a space can be a metaphor for a ton of different things. And so like, you know, that image in particular, you know, represents reclaiming a space that could, that took a lot of courage of a lot of people um, to take back. And, and, you know, it, it takes a lot to, to transform a place into a, a place of joy and peace. Yeah. And it takes a lot of work to get that done. And so, you know, that, that image is, you know, it, it is like, it, it is a metaphor for like a, a ton of things. You can look at that picture. It's an amazing photograph. Um, but you can like look at it and, and read a, a billion different things from it, which is why it's for one, why it's a really great image, but also, you know, seeing, young kids like they're the future and you know and looking at them having fun as opposed to you know i don't know this for sure but i'm sure that you know it was a robert e lee statue at at some point in history there were probably klansmen started standing in that in that space sure (laughs) yeah all of that's all that's really good i love uh i love the reflections on well first of all i love the images that you chose and I love the reflections on them and two seemingly disparate things um, that you are kind of linking together with being present, being in the moment and all that kind of stuff. And then with this other kind of uh, justice oriented kind of thing, I think both of those things paired together are important and speak to the themes of Lent and um, yeah, really, really great. And uh, I think it's something that folks will I guess, well, let, let's, let's do this. Tell, how do you, when you're looking at an image like this um, and that you really want to like be present with it, take it in, you want to not just look at it in, in passing, how do you approach something like this? Because people are going to be looking at these images and it's going to be on their phones and we see a million images on our phones uh, all the time. And I, I talked about in the beginning of this, uh, missing the point of the first picture, even though I'd seen it 
before. Like I didn't catch the woman until I looked at it today. So what, how do you, how do you approach viewing something like this and, and taking it in, uh, taking it in as art? Oh, uh, that's like, I don't know. I think for everybody, I think everybody would have a different approach to it. Um, but my, my particular approach is when I see an image that I really like, um, hardly ever do I see a, an image like really small and go like, Oh, wow. Like I really want to look at that. Um, usually I have to see either see it in print or I'll see it, uh, presented really well online or, you know, if the image is like, if I'm seeing it on my phone or something like that, um, it does catch my eye. I will always try to find like a bigger version of it. Um, so obviously if an image strikes you, it just kind of hits you because it, because it does and some pictures might not have that effect on on other people uh, as maybe it would for somebody else but uh, I always just try to find like a, a larger version of it and I'll zoom in and I'll just try to like inspect it yeah <laughs> uh, you know anything that I'm not drawn to photos that are very like minimalistic uh, or overly stylized um, it's kind of, this is morbid, but uh, there was a photograph, this happened maybe like five years ago, it, maybe 10 years ago, it could have happened like 90 years ago, I don't remember, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was, it was like five years ago. Uh, there was a, an assassination in Turkey, I think, and oh, it was, yeah. Uh, yeah. The guy standing with guy, a gun in, his, in the air or something like that right after he had shot him? Yeah. Uh, I think I want to pull it, sir, but like the image and the series of images are really insane. There's not a ton going on, but there's like stuff on the wall in the background. Yeah. And the thing that, the thing that drew me in that also drew in a lot of other people, which is also kind of morbid, but like the guy that was, I think it was an ambassador was dead. You can't see his face. Cause he's like, he's really rotund. And, but you see the bottom of his feet and you see like the wear on his shoes. Yep. And in, in an otherwise just, sterile space, sort of. I mean, it's yeah. This this the state space being sterile really doesn't have a lot to do with it. But I think you would still notice it, even if there was like a lot going on. But they, they, there's a guy holding up a gun. And he's like saying something. But like the guy's shoe, they just killed. It's got like this. It's just so worn down. And I just remember thinking, like, when he put that shoe on the week before did he know like obviously he didn't know but like he put that shoe on that morning a week ago yeah knowing that like or that morning that he was going to die in that shoe like he's walked everywhere in that shoe like when he bought that pair of shoes he bought the pair of shoes that he was going to die in by somebody murdering him in public you know what i'm saying like it's insane to think that that can you, you get that from just a picture but it was really kind of striking about the photograph i don't think the photographer meant to like include the guy's shoe but it's like the parts of humanity that you can't you know you can't always just like know these things in the moment <laughs> when you're making a picture but it could be so effective to other people where it, like you're getting so much more about mortality from that guy's shoe than you are with the man standing over him with the gun you know what i'm saying because you start thinking about your own mortality. Like, have I bought my shoes that I'm going to die in? You know, am I wearing them right now? Like, 
you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So pictures like that, that kind of send me down a rabbit hole of other kind of thoughts that make me think, um, that's what gets me going about photography. Um, but that of course, I don't know if other people do that. I'm assuming people do because, oh, it's, it's not insane to, you know, get mortality from the bottom of a shoe. I'm looking at the image right now and have been while you've been talking. Uh, number one, I do think the juxtaposition between a worn shoe and the sterile nature of the room that they're in, I do think that that's noteworthy. And you can't tell yeah. me that it's not because you're not objectively <laughs> right. Uh, right. But yeah, it is a really striking. It's I googled Turkish assassin. It's one of the first pictures that comes up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That uh, yeah. I think that's I think that's good. Just I. I don't know if you did this as a kid, but um, there was an image in uh, Sports Illustrated when Jordan um, hit the game winner against the Utah Jazz uh, in the NBA Finals. And these are my favorite kinds of pictures, or they have been, where there's a moment in sports, but it's a really, really great picture that's wide and you can see into the stands. and. I remember being a kid and I would study the individual faces and Mm -hmm. like, I would think about who those people were that were there, you know, Mm -hmm. the rich people in the front row. And then the people that, Mm -hmm. you know, as the photo starts to get blurry that are higher up that you can still see what their facial reaction is to something like this and the, the opposing fans and then the bulls fans. And anyway, I do think being able to see it in a large scale so that you can, take in individual pieces of it is important. One thing I noticed, um, and I don't know if you have your phone out so you can see the, the picture, but in the, in the picture of the kids playing basketball in front of the statue, there's the, the kid that's in the center of the frame whose back is to the thing back is to the camera. He has like a red dot on his back and it, it, uh, and it's almost blurred and it almost looks like, uh, it made me think of blood or whatever. And I, I thought about that in relation to um, the guy in South Carolina that got shot in the back a few years ago, yeah. running away from police. And so I did the same thing that you're talking about, zooming in on individual details of it, of a single moment like that. And gen- and then trying to read these other themes and things into it. But that's, yeah, really great. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's a ton. Uh, and that, this picture uh yeah this the one that you'll send out i do believe it's high res enough that you can um zoom in and even kind of read some of the graffiti oh yeah Uh, one of the interesting things about um when this was going on was you know as i followed a few uh photographers from like charlottesville and in richmond that were out like covering what's going on there and just watching the progression of the the Robert E. Lee monument, you know, from like the first few days of like a little bit of graffiti and then just kind of watching it grow. Oh yeah. (laughs) And uh, I haven't seen any like pictures of it uh, recently. And I'm just curious and uh, like the same thing of like looking, you look at the very top and there's like somebody took time and effort to try to get paint to the very, very top of the statue to like almost to the horse. And, you know, it's like if you zoom in, you can see the people at the bottom, like, that's a good ways up that somebody was like, 
fuck you. I'm going <laughs> to, sorry, but like, yeah, like I'm going to get paint on every inch of this thing yeah 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 no i did i did uh look at that and there's interesting pieces of that i I don't know what it means but uh or what i think it means but i I like that the basketball goal is broken the backboard is shattered i don't know why i like that in the image but it's a (laughs) bunch of stuff like that well hey this has been really great and um thanks for bringing it and all the thought and intention you put behind it i i hope that uh I think it's really useful. Um, you know, I, I get to call you every time I have a spare thought about uh, some picture or something, but uh, not everybody if gets. Yeah, right. You rarely do, <laughs> which is, we'll talk about. Uh, but like people rarely get to hear people that are masters at this sort of thing just talk about what it means to them, what they read into things and um, and get to hear, you know, people talk like this. So, I think it's helpful and it's been helpful to me. So I appreciate you doing it. I appreciate it. It was fun. Um, has the rocket gone off for Ben yet? You know, it's scrubbed today, which happens a lot. Uh, that is the, the biggest starship. wet fart. It always happens. Why do they do that? It's, well, it's because there's a lot of things you got to do. But this one in particular is the, this is the rocket that's going to be taking people to Mars. Figure and it, it takes out, off. Elon. It takes off. And then it lands. So like it's all one piece, it takes off, and then it's supposed to land. It hasn't landed yet. It's exploded every time, uh, and it's a spectacular explosion. So even it goes up, it flips around, and then it lands. It's crazy. Did you, you see? The, did you see the? Have Zeke watch it. Yeah, I will. I will have him watch it. Did you see the thing yesterday where they said that by 2027 there's going to be, uh, there's going to be a hotel that's like floating in orbit. Like. A, like oh, uh, is that the Virgin thing? I don't, virgin. I don't know. The person who, <laughs> the person who shared it, their comment on it was, "We just want healthcare." That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah. Did you watch it, bud? Did it not take off? Oh, the recycling, Bubba. So they might, they still might do it. So like sometimes this will happen where it'll it'll scrub like a minute before. And then they have like a launch window until like nine o'clock tonight so they can recycle again. And then it takes, and it starts from the very beginning and it's like two hours. So ah. then you go from like, it got a minute left, then it scrubs and they re, they try it again. And then it's like another two hours that may or may not happen. So it's, yeah, it's a real kind of, it's a time, it's a time suck. <laughs> but typically I'll just I'll put it on a laptop and then I'll just leave it on and then just like check it every 30 minutes or so. Yeah, just speaking of images, uh and there's like probably uh I would say three people that will ever hear this audio, so that's great. Uh <laughs> the the pictures that they sent back from Mars from the the new thing that just landed or whatever. Yeah. Talk about images that I zoom in and out of for hours yeah. at a time. Holy crap. The yeah. Like thinking about like whether it's the moon or Mars or wherever, thinking about the fact that like Mars is a real place that has topography, that has dirt, right. that like theoretically you could go there and be there yeah. on that place is such a trippy strange experience. Um right. and and I think the images of of it are the thing that has made it more real to me. So Did you watch the videos of uh the, there's video of it like landing you know, rover landing yeah, it's, yeah 
insane. Yeah, I just like, I still like in in terms of like our uh, planetary exploration, uh, all that kind of stuff. I still feel like we're basically like ants. We're subatomic or not subatomic, but uh, we're like amoebas compared right. to what we will be within the next few thousand years or something. Oh yeah. Maybe maybe a hundred years. Maybe quantum computing and words that mean things. Um, it's hard to say. <laughs> Even like Elon Musk, like SpaceX, the videos that they do um, of the launches, it's all 8K with like a really high frame rate. Uh-huh. So watching them, it's like the technology is mind blowing because it looks like nothing you've ever seen before because it just, it's so realistic looking. Um, it like, it's beyond like hyper realistic. It's like gone beyond that in my mind. Like you watch it, you're like, what am I seeing? Like, is this, <laughs> is this real? Yeah. Right. Uh, Cause it just looks like, it looks like you're right there. Uh, it's, or it looks like more real than actually real reality. <laughs> they started using 8k. This will show you who you are as a person versus who I am. They started using 8k cameras in uh end zone celebrations for the NFL this year. And I had the same experience of like, what is happening in the world? Um, yeah. Is that like, they have like uh shallow depth of field. Yeah. They're really shallow. So if they, sometimes, yeah. sometimes the shots are like fantastic and sometimes they're just yeah. horrifying. I've noticed that. Um, and I appreciate it. I didn't know that's what, I didn't know that was 8k. Yeah. I, I thought it looked like, um, it looked like stylized DSLR video kind of stuff. Yeah, like that's honestly what I thought too. It just, yeah, it looked like, cause typically the only way you can do that is if you have a giant motion picture camera or like a, maybe like a red. Yeah. Right. Or you have, but like, I'm not sure how you would even the bandwidth that it would take to be able to like live stream. That is insane. Um, the NFL has so much money, but also I guess Elon Musk does too. Yeah, but, I don't know how any of that works because Nate Bergazzi's got this bit where he says that he would be of no help to a time traveler. They'd be like, uh, like, or no, if he went back in time, and they'd be like, yeah. okay, well, who, who are the, uh, who are the presidents after the one that is the president now? He's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, uh, <laughs> hey, there's this thing called the internet. I don't even. How do I even describe it? There's like satellites and stuff. <laughs> Just of, because like. Explain a telephone. I don't know. So, um, right. anyway. All right. Well, Logan, thank you, buddy. I will, uh, yeah. I'll call you in five minutes or something. All right. That sounds good. All right, dude. Bye. All right. Bye.